Okay, we have one more Bible study, and that's tonight. Next week, we will do a communion service, which we haven't had for a while. So next week on Tuesday night, we'll have a communion service, and then I'll be off for a couple of weeks, so we won't have anything till fall comes back. So this is the last study of the uh, summer. Imagine that. It's gone away just like that, so... We've been talking about Satan. We talked about his origins, where he came from. Talked about uh, where he's going. He's going to end up in a bad way. And then we talked about uh, judgment and how the judgment comes, how God judges sin, all as that one great category of God dealing with evil in the world. And we have one more topic to go over tonight. And it's a little bit uh, different. It's in the same category of Satan, but it's a little bit more exacting. It has to do with demon possession. We're talking about uh, demon possession tonight. And think a little bit logically if we can. Sometimes what the Bible has to say, it doesn't come right out and say, here's the way it is. Expect you to figure it out. Okay, (laughs) and we got to learn to read and figure it out as we're reading. And there are certain things that uh, the Bible doesn't say. And so we got to learn how to take from the text and figure out what it's saying to us. It doesn't always have to give it to you exactly. And if we think about demon possession, we'll talk all about it as we go through the evening. Uh, but when we go to the New, the Old Testament, there's really almost no mention of demon possession in the Old Testament. Now, who are the demons? Well, the demons are uh, followers of Satan. We believe that they were cast out of heaven when he rebelled, that there were some that uh, rebelled with him, were on his side, and he cast, they were cast out of heaven. And so uh, in heaven are more than just angels. There's, a, there's all different kinds of angels. There's archangels. Uh, there are uh, cherubs. There are seraphim, creatures that we can almost can't explain what they are. Uh, and then there are spirits too. The Bible talks in several places about just spirits. And then we go to an evil spirit, which we call a demon, and they're part of that. A rebellion against God. When we go through the Old Testament, there's almost no comment on demon or particularly demon possession. Uh, we start out in the book of uh, Exodus when Moses leading the children of Israel out and God says, pick up the stick and it turns into a snake. Now go and throw it down. And your stick becomes a a snake when you throw it down then you pick it up turns back to a stick and so he goes into pharaoh and says here and he throws his stick down turns into a snake also the sorcerers of egypt did the same thing only theirs were little snakes and moses snake went around and gobbled all theirs up and said there Okay, so we have people practicing the dark arts. And what these people were doing, the Egyptian sorcerers, were in league with Satan, in league with darkness. And they were able to do certain tricks. And you remember when we were studying those, they got to a point and said, we can't do this anymore. We can't keep copying things that God does uh, it's gone beyond us and so there's a dark arts mentioned which is a power of darkness that exercise in Egypt we come to King Saul and the Bible says he had an evil spirit but we don't believe it's a demon possession we believe he was just a bad tempered nasty man <laughs> and that evil spirit was his own nasty self showing himself what he was like and so we don't believe that he had any possession, just a nasty guy. Nebuchadnezzar, uh, king of Babylon, went into a time of madness when he ate 
grass like a cow and ran around for seven years out in the, in the wilds uh, like he was crazy. And he was crazy. That has been documented other times in history, that same type of madness. You think that was a mental disease. Um, and then we get one more comment in Isaiah chapter 8. And I love this because I think it's something that you never forget. Isaiah chapter 8 in the Old Testament. And God is warning people, you don't go to a wizard or you don't go to a sorcerer or a witch or a medium would be the word that we would use today to get information. And here's how he says it. Uh, Isaiah 8 verse 19. When they shall say to you, seek to them that have familiar spirits. That would be a medium going to a seance. Unto wizards that peep and that mutter. It's <laughs> a great comment. Uh, Should not a people seek to their God for the living to the dead? To the law, to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. So he says God's prophets stand up and they declare this is true. A wizard, one of these dark artists, peep and mutter. They kind of don't know what to say because they got nothing to say. And so he warns in the Old Testament about fooling with the dark arts. Now, we turn a few pages over. We get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the story course of the life of Jesus. Now we got demon activity on every corner of every street. It's all over the place. And Jesus is dealing with it constantly. And so the question we ask is why Old Testament there's no demon possession. The New Testament is everywhere. Why? We want to know why. What is, why is that so? The Bible doesn't come out and tell you, here's why it's so. The Bible just says, here's what happened. And so we find uh, Jesus dealing with demon possession all over the place. And that we want to know why all of a sudden, as we're going through the history of mankind through God's point of view, which is what the Bible is, is God's point of view of the history of mankind. And we learn how man begins, how man went into sin, how God chose a, a man, and that man turned into a family, family turned into a tribe, tribe turned into a nation, and through that God brings to the world the Savior. And that's exactly why the central act of history, in the history of the whole world, the central act of history is God taking a human form and visiting this planet. Now God is walking around in a human form on this planet. Jesus Christ come into this world. He came here, we know, to bring salvation, to rescue the human race, to redeem us, and to do wonderful things for us. And so, when that central event of history happens, you've got to expect that Satan's activities are going to be at a much higher level than they've ever been before. Anything he can do to stop it, he wants to stop it. And so all of a sudden we find all kinds of demon activity, all kinds of things going on. Satan rallying his forces. He wants to stop Jesus. It would be his desire to stop Jesus in particular in his ministry and stop him from doing what he was going to do. Now, how soon did it start? Well, number one, as soon as he's born. Soon as Jesus is born, King Herod finds out that there's a savior born when the wise men come to Jerusalem. So we're looking for the new king. He says there is no new king. He said we saw his star in the east. We come to worship him. And he says, Tell me where he is. I need to know. And of course, the reason is he tries to kill the baby Jesus. So as soon as Jesus arrives on earth, Satan is immediately at work going to try to kill him. 
And if it wasn't for the angel Gabriel coming down, saying to Joseph, you go tonight, get out of here, take that baby and his mother and go to Egypt, leave town tonight. If it wasn't for that, then they would have succeeded. So Satan immediately tries to kill Jesus as soon as he arrives. And you think, well, how did he know he arrived? Whole heaven knew. Everybody in heaven knew Jesus had left heaven and come to earth. The entire realm of angels is singing out there over the plains of Bethlehem and talking to the shepherds and telling them the message. So uh, people knew up and outside of this realm, we were all in the dark. <laughs> and that's something. We were in the dark and everybody else knew. <clears throat> but uh, uh, so Satan makes an attempt right away on Jesus. And then as we came and we looked at the temptation of Christ by Satan, that's when Jesus comes out of the shadows, steps in to do his ministry. Baptism of Jesus is the beginning of his work that he's going to do. As soon as he begins his work, what happens? Satan attacks and comes to Jesus trying to pull him off course, trying to get him to do something besides redeem the race and the plan that he had. And so Satan right away... A direct attack on Jesus as soon as he steps into the public eye. Now take a look at how active Satan becomes. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And Satan's trying to stop Jesus. It's interesting to note um, The religious establishment, religious leaders of the day were already on Satan's side. He didn't have to win them over. They were already on his side. All right? The temple was a place of greed and money-making. And uh, they were planning the murder of Christ in the back rooms. Doesn't sound like religious leaders, huh? Well, that's who they were. So they were already on Satan's side, but he needed somebody else. John 13, verse 25. Then he, that is John, lying on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I give a sop when I have dipped it. And he dipped the sop, gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. And said Jesus unto him, What thou doest, do quickly. Note carefully, Satan entered into Judas Iscariot. That is, he possessed him. Like the demons that we were going to read about did their possession. He entered in. He had the ability to take over Judas. And he entered in at that moment. Why? Because there was a choice. Jesus is going to give you a choice at the Last Supper. I'm going to dip the sop hand it to you. That's a, that's a thing of honor that you do. And he says, I'm going to give you a chance now. You can decide me or not. And he decided no. No. And so he took the money. Okay. And uh, Matthew 27 uh, or Matthew 26 I want you to see this because it's, it's really weird and it's a good word I heard it described that way and it's a good word to describe what's happening Matthew 26 verse 47 well he yet spake lo Judas one of the twelve came in multitude with him with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people now he that betrayed him gave him a sign saying whomsoever I shall kiss the same as he hold him fast forthwith he came to Jesus and said hail master and kissed him and Jesus said to him friend wherefore art thou come they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him and so Jesus, or Judas, now under the control of Satan, Satan's inside of him, walks up to Jesus and kisses him. And it's, it's, it, but it's him being controlled by Satan. And then uh, you look, chapter 27 of Matthew, uh, verse 5, 
Of course, Judas changes his mind. Verse 5, he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, departed, and went and hanged himself. And so uh, Satan used him. And when he was done with him, just throw him out like a piece of garbage. Understand that Satan doesn't love anybody. Satan uses things for his own selfish desire, and he found Judas open to being used. He entered into him, used him to betray, and then abandoned him completely. And in despair, Judas goes out and hung himself. He hanged himself. That's how he ended his life. So uh, there's the action of Satan around the life of Christ. Tries to kill him when he's born. Tries to get him off course. The beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry, he's very active in bringing about the death of Christ. Because he didn't really know what was going to (laughs) happen. He got fooled that time, all right? When Christ rose from the dead, he got fooled. And so uh, we're going to step back now, and we see Satan is active against Jesus. The demon forces, his legions, are also active against Jesus, and they are everywhere throughout the land of Israel and Israel's borders working to hinder, do whatever they can to stop it. And so it's the most activity we see in history. Now, there are cases of demon possession still today, not common in our country. Uh, uh, Other places, yes. Other places, much more so. It sort of depends on the area and the time. Africa's had a lot of it. uh, China was once full of a demon possession, and it goes by what people believe. In China, they think uh, the spirit of your ancient uh, relative lives in the tree. You know, in India, is the same way. They go from walking down the road, and they stop at a rock, and they knock and say, Are you there? Are you there? And they walk a little farther, and they stop at the tree and say, Are you there? Looking for a spirit. Well, don't be surprised when they find one, okay? A little bit different attitude in those places. Um, I have had some experiences that I'll share with you a little later. Uh, But what happens during the time of Christ is you get a tremendous uh, amount of activity. Now we're going to go through Mark's gospel just because... uh, They kind of fall in a row here. Uh, Mark chapter 3, start there. And then we're going to look at some cases of demon possession. And you note very carefully that Jesus will say very specific things so that you and I will understand. That's why he said, so you and I would understand. All right. Here we go. They'll get the idea of what's going on. Mark chapter 3, verse number 10. For he had healed many insomuch as they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. So he tells them, uh, keep quiet. I don't want you to say who I am. And they always do. You'll find that they always know who he is because they are part of the kingdom of darkness, kingdom of Satan. They know Jesus is the son of God. And here he's saying that as he's casting out demons wherever he goes, they're always saying what? You're the son of God. You're the son of God. He says, shut up. And I mean that quite literally, because as we go through the language, there's no other words that we have in our vernacular that fit what he said other than shut up. I don't want to hear that out of your mouth. Why does Jesus shush them? Because if he's the son of God, the last thing he wants is a demon saying it. He wants you to say it. He wants me to say it. He wants uh, humans everywhere to say, look, there's the Son of God. He doesn't want his name being proclaimed by the demons. And so he forces them into silence. Now, John 
wrote, uh, it's a great line. He said, uh, if we wrote down everything Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books in the world. <laughs> that's, that's a great line. Because just think of how many people he healed you don't know anything about. How many people, how many demons he cast out we don't know anything about. And, and it's what he's saying here. It says he healed many, and a lot of those people were demon-possessed people. And so uh, there's multitudes of people that he dealt with and uh, that were demon-possessed, and we don't know anything about them. So therefore, the logical conclusion is that the ones that we are told about are very specific cases, so we'll understand. All right? So they chose about four or five cases to explain so that we would understand what happened. And there's things in these cases that we want to look at. So we'll go back a couple pages to Mark chapter 1. First case of demon possession. I really like this one. I... I think it's wonderful. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 22. They were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as a scribe. So he goes into Capernaum, the city on the Sea of Galilee, one of the main cities, goes to the, the, the synagogue, which is their local church, and preaches. And they think, wow, we never heard preaching like that. Verse 23, and there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? As far as we know, that's the first time Jesus was ever called Jesus of Nazareth by the demon. Thou art come to destroy us. I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Now, I think this is fascinating because this demon-possessed fellow went to church. Got up on Saturday, and that was their day. And he went to church. And you say, why would a demon-possessed fellow go to church? Because nobody bothered him there. <laughs> no, he's fine there. Nobody say a word to him. What does the rabbi preach? The rabbi preaches when you're counting the mint in your garden. And you get the number 10, pick it and bring it to me at the temple. Rabbi says, when you wash, when you're eating your meal, I want you to wash your hands. Starting here, wash down to your elbows. Then turn around and wash back down to your hands. Do the same on this arm when you wash while you're eating. And do that about six or seven times through your meal. That's your sermon for today. And so the demon-possessed guy, he can sit there and listen to it all day because it means nothing. So he's in church. There's a guy with a demon sitting in church. And everything is fine. He can be there all the time until who comes? Until Jesus comes. Jesus walks in and all of a sudden he's screaming. He's, he's, he's making a lot of noise. It says he cried out. As soon as Jesus is there, he's crying out. Leave us alone. What have we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? Of course he's come to destroy him. That's why he is here. All right? And he says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace. Keep quiet. Not out of your mouth. I want that said. And also, come out. Get out of that human. And when the unclean spirit torn him, cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed and so much they questioned among themselves saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? Or with authority he commandeth even the unclean spirits and they do obey him. Now we have the beginning of Jesus dealing with the unclean spirits. Uh, they have no quarter. They get nothing. They get nothing but you do what Jesus says. He is totally 
dominant over them and they know it and as soon as they see him there they start to holler out and, and the protest are you going to hurt us are you going to destroy us we want to stay where we are inside of this human he said you are not staying there you're out go and he puts them out and you notice on well the spirit leaves the man he screams very loudly he's trying to scare as many people as he can as he goes because he wants to make an impression on people around him i'm powerful too watch this i'll make this man scream of course he does he makes the man scream but then as soon as uh, he's gone and he's gone and the guy's normal and people can see that he's normal and the demon is gone. Jesus has cast him out. I think it's a great one because there's a man in church with a demon. <laughs> Isn't that something? You wouldn't think that's where he would go. But he does because, like I said, he's undisturbed there. And as long as nobody disturbs him, he'll quietly live inside of his victim tormenting him in little ways and getting along when uh, he just keep it up of course as soon as he sees Jesus he knows he's in trouble now we go to one of the most famous ones over Mark chapter number 5 Mark chapter number 5 they're in the boat they cross over to see a Galilee with the disciples and Jesus to the opposite shore on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. They're outside of Israel now, and there's a, a little city-state nations there. There's about ten cities in this place called Gadara. And uh, uh, they are not Jewish. Or they are not Jewish. And... Jesus goes over there, and we have this one of these most famous stories. Mark chapter 5. They came over the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. When he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him, no, not with chains. And so here's a man living in a graveyard, living among the tombs, and they tried to handle him. And they couldn't tie him up. He just break the rope, so they put chains on him. We'll fix you. We'll chain you. He break the chains. Right, so he has extraordinary strength given to him by the demon. Verse 4. Because they had often been bound with fetters and chains, chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. So here's a man seriously tormented. He can't be dealt with in any human way. And he lives in this graveyard screaming and hollering and it makes your hair stand up at an end when you go out there at night. And if you see him, he's, he's all covered with blood because he keeps cutting himself, cutting himself with a stone. Uh, There's a demon torturing him. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Same comment. We know who you are. You're Jesus, the Son of God. Please don't torment me because they all know that's where they're going. I wish we talked about, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, as uh, Satan and all his followers are thrown into the lake of fire, said to be eternally tormented there. He knows that's where he's ending up. And so he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? Now, Jesus, you re think now about this. Jesus doesn't need to know his name. You do. <laughs> you need to know his name. So Jesus asked the question so you and I will know. 
Because this is something we need to learn about the demons. And he, and he answered, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. All right, so here we have, uh, we have first the, the demon in church. And now we have many, many demons. And he says, what's my name? Legion. Legion doesn't mean too much to us today, but Legion in those days was the army. The army of the Romans were called legionnaires. They were in a Roman legion. They each had a big group of soldiers in their legion. And so what he's saying is we're a whole army, a whole bunch of us in here. More than one have filled this guy up, and that's why he's untamable. As he's full of demons. I don't know how many, uh, but they went by the name Legion. So Jesus asked not because he needed to know, because we needed to know that the possibility of demon possession isn't a one-on-one -on -one thing. It's very possible you could be uh, possessed by a whole crew of them. More than one, which is important for us to realize what we're dealing with. Verse 10, he besought him that he would not send him away out of the country. And there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. Forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out, entered into the swine. Herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000, and they were choked in the sea. And so... Jesus says, go ahead, enter the swine. Um, he gives them permission. As soon as they're in a pig, the pig goes crazy. The pig is smart enough to know you can't live with a demon in you. Okay? Pig says, whatever this is, we're not going to live this way. And they all run off a cliff, 2,000 of them. Just must have been quite a sight to watch 2,000 pigs jump off a cliff into the Sea of Galilee and drown because they'd rather be dead than be demon-possessed. Isn't that a comment on the human nature, right? Pigs won't put up with it. They'd rather die. Humans, he's got a whole legion of them inside of him. Right? And, and so uh, he casts out the demon. The fella says to... Jesus, I want to go with you. If he freed you from that many demons, you'd say the same thing. I'm with you. I'm going wherever you go. And Jesus says to him, verse 19, Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for thee. Said compassion upon thee. Remember that this is the rebellion of Satan against the work of Jesus Christ. Possession, demon possession is at an all-time high because Jesus is there working. And so he says, please let me go with you. He says, no, 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 you got to go home because you got to tell people what happened. They got to hear it from you. You're the one who's going to bring salvation to these people. I came for that reason. So you go and do the work that needs to be done. Go home and tell your friends. So we have this famous case where there's a whole bunch of demons. And so we learn something more about demons um, that they can gather together. They are not limited to one-on-one. -on -one. They can be as many as they want. They can fill up a person and uh, take over their being. Why do they do it? Because they are spirits and spirits can't feel. You understand what I mean? You and I have these wonderful things. Sight and touch and and sound we can talk and the demons want to have those qualities they want to feel and so they enter a human and they use him they use his body and they use his voice and they use his things so that they can have a body 
And Jesus said, you're out. Well, please let us at least go in a pig. Go ahead. <laughs> what happened to him after that? I don't know what happened to him. Doesn't say. But of course, in the end, they all go off and end up in the lake of fire. Mark chapter 7. Another case is given to us. Mark chapter 7. This is one we just did recently, but now we're looking at it from a different point of view. Mark 7, verse 24. But thence he arose and went to the borders of Tyre and Sidon, entered into a house, would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. Certain woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him, came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. She besought him that he would cast the forth the devil out of her daughter. Now she has a daughter that's demon possessed. Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled. Is not meet to take the children's bread, cast it to dogs. She answered and said, yes, Lord, and let the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, for this saying, go thy way, the devil has gone out of thy daughter. When she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. So, Here's a demon possession. Here's a girl. It's a young girl. She's got a demon. And uh, she's free. What did Jesus do? What did he say? He just willed it to be so. He didn't say anything. He said, go home. It's all done. What did you do? I took care of it. Talk about being in charge. All he has to do is make a choice. Hey, here's my will in his mind. You're gone. And when she gets home, the demon's gone. Jesus is very powerful. They have no recourse. They have no way to fight him. They are totally at his command. He doesn't even have to go over there. Doesn't have to go over there. He can say it, just say it in his, just think it in his mind, and the little girl is free, all right? And so, uh, that's an amazing power. He healed people long distance before, but this is a demon cast out without being present. They understand that the spiritual world is connected. The spiritual world is connected. That dimension we call the air. We say we call Satan the prince and power of the air. He has a dimension where he operates and moves among men. And in that dimension, it may, he may be called the prince and power of that air, uh, but Jesus is much more dominant there. He can say what he wants. Now, one more, chap Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And this occurs, it's interesting, it occurs um, right off the Mount of Transfiguration. So Jesus goes up on the mountain, takes Peter, James, and John with him, is transfigured, and he appears to have a shining face and shining countenance and everything, and uh, his clothes shine and he's letting God come out of him. He usually kept those things inside, hidden, but he let it come out in the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses and Elijah come, they're having a conversation. It's wonderful. Uh, it's just a magnificent moment as we see. That's the Son of God. Look at that. And Peter said, we gotta stay here. Let's stay here. <laughs> But Jesus said, no, we got work to do. And here's the work. As soon as he comes off the Mount of Transfiguration in verse 13. Uh, verse 14. When he come to his disciples, saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. Straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running in, saluted him. Now you wonder why they were amazed. Because he looked a little different, probably. He probably looked a little different. 
And he asked the scribes what question you with them. And one of the multitude answered said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, foameth, gnashes with his teeth, and pineth away. I spake to the disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. They brought him unto him, and he saw him straightway, and the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. This is an extreme case of demon possession, and he's foaming at the mouth. He's wreathing around, writhing around on the ground, rolling around in the dust, and he's foaming at the mouth, and he looks really bad. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came upon him? question is for you. Remember, Jesus knows he's asking this for you and for me to understand demon possession. He says, how long is it since he's had this? And he said, of a child. Ever since he was a baby. And oftentimes has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. What a great prayer. What a great prayer. And Jesus saw the people came running together. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit I charge thee come out of him and enter no more into him the spirit cried rent him sore came out of him and he was as one dead insomuch as many said he is dead Jesus took him by the hand lifted him up and he arose and so here's a child it's just a child he's a young boy he's had his demon ever since he was a child and this is an important one. Jesus asked that question because you and I kind of have certain things that we think about demon possession. And they're, they're good things. They're not wrong things. Uh, if you're afraid of being demon possessed, you don't need to be. Uh, primarily because if you have Jesus in your heart, then the spirit of Jesus is inside of you. He's not sharing with the demons, all right? If he's in your heart, you're safe and sound, all right? So that's the main reason. But one of the things that people say, well, how do you get demon-possessed? Well, one of the things that people do is they mess around with things that they shouldn't. And that's where you've got to learn not to go, all right? And so we say to people, don't go to a seance because you're interested in seeing what happens. You don't need to see what happens. Don't go to a seance. Don't go where somebody's calling up a spirit because, you know, they think it's Antilles coming up, but it ain't. It's something else, and it must be much more sinister. Don't expose yourself to those kind of things. Stay away. Stay away. I was teaching on this topic once with a bunch of kids in a church south of here. And after it was all over, this one kid kept hanging around, hanging around. And I thought, maybe he wants to ask me something. I said, something I can do for you. And he said, well, there's a kid up the road that worships the devil. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he cut the head off the dog and puts that in the middle. And then he uh, has the, the pentagram and he runs around and worships the devil what he's doing, worshiping the devil, and, and he wears black all the time and all this. And, and uh, so uh, that was kind of a eye-opener, but I talked to the young man about it. Yeah, yeah, there's things you don't mess with. Don't. Just don't. Don't. People say, oh, it's all right. You can just stand and observe. Don't. Stay away. All right. Now, the thing is, does a demon possess someone without their agreement? And we would always say no. 
but we'd be wrong. And if you ask me, can I be demon-possessed if I don't want to be? I'm going to tell you, the Spirit of God is in you, you're okay. But I'm going to say, if you agree with the powers of darkness, you want to play with them, you, you have chances of going way up high. You're, you're very bad ground. But then i got to turn to this one and say, there's a little child got a demon in him who wasn't old enough to agree. And you want to know why that is, and I'm going to tell you, because Satan wants to kill your children, you understand. The last thing he wants you to do is have children. He wants you to get rid of children. And uh, he hates children. And he's will you do what he can. We are at a time in history when Satan is extremely active here. In demon possession, trying to squelch the redemption of Jesus Christ. And so, when you say to me, well... Do I have to worry about my children? Well, I wouldn't lose sleep about them being demon-possessed, but I'd make sure they were here. I'd make sure they were here. I'd make sure they were part of what goes on here. And I'd give them every weapon and every tool they have because out there in the world is an enticement. And when these things come on you, it's not, uh, nobody's planning it sometimes. I had, I was called to a house once and the mother said, I really need you to come. I went over there and she said, my daughter has a spirit in her bedroom. And I said, okay, bring your daughter. So she was young, I don't know, maybe 13. And I said, what, what do you do in your bedroom? Well, <laughs> said, you're going to tell me what you do in your bedroom. Well, we got things we do and we got a Ouija board we play. I said, it's coming home with me. I'm taking that tonight. If you don't want that spirit in your room anymore, you give it to me now. And so the mother said, well, I don't want that spirit. I don't want you messing around with things you shouldn't, but I want to give it to you. I said, I can handle it. Give it to me. I said, I'm going to just do what I got to do. I just went home and burned it. And as far as I know, that spirit was gone after that. But uh, you don't don't mess with it. But yet, at the same time, Jesus asks, how long did he have it ever since he was a child? And so, uh, caution is due where we allow our children to be. What we allow them to participate in. We have to be careful. Because it's out there, and it doesn't come on them uh, by accident. All right, now, uh, Acts chapter 19, because I want you to see this, because this is a, sort of a an error that is propagated in many places. In particular, we're talking about demon possession. And uh, Acts chapter 19. And Paul has been going around and he cast his demon out. And Paul says, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out. And he frees this girl of a demon. So, somebody saw that and said, hey, we can do that. Verse 13, Acts 19, verse 13. Certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Siva, a Jew, a chief priest, which did so. So these fellows are part of a religious family. And uh, they're taking up the idea we're going to be exorcists, get rid of demons. And so they go up to this demon-possessed person and say, uh, in Jesus' name, come out. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? (laughs) I love it. I love it. 
Jesus, of course, was known in hell. Paul was also known in hell. He had a reputation down there. But the demon says, who the world are you? And so they thought if we say, in Jesus' name, we got it all set. No, you don't. Here's what happened. The men in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them, prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Guess he fixed them. One man, demon-possessed man, took seven of them out. And he wounded some of them, ripped their clothes off, and they headed for the door as fast as they could. And people think today, still, I can just say in Jesus' name, and that demon's got to do what I say. Don't bet on it. Don't you bet on it. Not unless you got a life to back it up. You got a life that says, here, I live for Jesus, then Jesus will cooperate with you. If you just think you're going to use his name, it don't work like that. So when somebody comes along and says, all you got to do is say in Jesus' name, you can cast out a demon. You better watch it. Here is an example. It's not so. Those demons knew that they had to obey Jesus. They also knew they had to obey Paul. But Paul, by reputation, all right, was a great Christian of his day. And so uh, it is not something that we fuss with, stay away from it, you'll be all right. And don't think you're going to go in and do it. Now you say, I, I have never been asked to cast out a demon. I was told by a man who did it in South America. He said, if you ever come to that day, uh, you don't just turn them loose, but cast them into the abyss. Send them into the abyss. This was a missionary for years down South America where he had dealt with it more. And uh, he said, cast it into, cast them into the abyss. Uh, that is, send them into the bottomless pit where they'll be restricted until Judgment Day. So that's what we ought to do. Um, there's a little bit more about uh, how this works. Uh, Matthew chapter 12. This is a fascinating, fascinating comment here by Jesus. Matthew 12. Here, Jesus is going to give us how demons behave. What are some of the things that they do? Now, uh, we've said that they are forced to obey Jesus. They would obey people like Paul. There were other people cast out demons. And I've known people cast out demons. But uh, this is... Uh, Interesting, very interesting. Matthew 12, verse 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. All right, so that demon has left the man. All right, he may have left of his own free will. He can come and go. But he left the man, and he goes out and looks for somebody else. And he saith, I will return to my house from whence I came out. I'm going back to that person. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. They enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto this wicked generation." Jesus said, uh, demons may decide to leave you alone for a little while. And so the demon goes wandering, looking for what he wants, which is a body to use. And he decides he doesn't find it. And you think he's gone, so you sweep it up and you, you decorate your place. And look at us. We're free. And then he comes back and he brings seven evil characters with him and they all possess the man and he's way worse off than he ever was 
I honestly believe I have seen that. I have seen people who come through trials and it looks like they're doing well. They seem to have got their act together and cleaned out their house. And then when they go back down, they really crash and go down. And I think that's what he's describing here, is that Satan comes in. There's two things. There's possession and uh, an outer uh, control. All right, Possession, they're right inside of us using our bodies. And they also can get on the outside of us and bother us. And here, in this case, he brings seven more back in. And the case is extreme. So the point is that there's a void in the life. So he said, well, get rid of the devil's fooling around. There'd be, a, there'd be a void in your life. That void needs to be filled by Jesus Christ. He can fill that void. And so when they come back, the house isn't empty. The house is full. So you can trust that. And one more just to finish out our thoughts. Mark chapter number 16. Mark chapter number 16. Just a little comment thrown in here. So we would know. Mark 16 verse 9. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Isn't that a wonderful statement? See what it is? Here's someone with seven of them in her. She's in tough shape. She's the one like he's describing, right? Who uh, thought she could get make it and got it all out of her, and then seven came back and worse than before. And he comes on her, casts those out, he fills her heart, and she becomes one of the great lovers of Jesus Christ. And she is awarded the first view of Jesus after the resurrection because of her great loving heart towards him. And so because we have been in that case, doesn't mean he can't come in and fix it. He can fix it. He can fix it. Now, have I ever experienced things. There's a couple things I've experienced. Um, I used to be around this lady. She was an older lady and she did uh, Bible studies in nursing homes. Her name was Mrs. Johengen. And uh, so I was beginning back then. This was <laughs> years ago and I was beginning to do nursing home stuff and she was trying to help me along take me under her wing sort of and, and uh, she was a wonderful lady but she went into the nursing homes and she was telling me she said I went in there and uh, I would gather you know six or eight people around me and I'd read the Bible and explain it to them just write nice simple stuff and uh, she said, one day this guy came in, and as soon as I opened the Bible and started reading, he started to swear. And he cursed and swore and cursed and swore and cursed and swore. So she said, I just finished the class. Next time he came, cursed and swore, cursed and swore. whole time she was reading. And so she said, I prayed. And I said, God, I think maybe he's got an evil spirit, because as soon as I start reading the Bible, he's... So she went up to him, and she said, I'm going to pray for you, sir. And he just nodded his head, and she prayed that the demon would come out of him. And she said, as soon as he finished praying, he threw up all over the floor, just like that. Just threw up all over the floor, which is what we've seen tonight, right? They get the last hurrah, they scream and yell and holler. He was trying to make themselves look like something. And she said he threw up over to, all over the floor and he never swore again. I think she had it. Now there was a plain and simple God-fearing lady. It was her. And you would, if you asked her about it, she said, I don't know. I just felt that and I tried it and it worked. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And that's how really pure hearts are in contact with God. 
and they have power over Satan because of it. I felt something once that I never will forget. I was young, we were up in Quebec, uh, Canada on a trip with a bunch of kids and we were gonna jump on the ferry, take a ride across the ferry. We didn't wanna go to the other side just looking for something to do. <laughs> a bunch of us kids went down, we got on the ferry in Quebec to go across the river. And when I got on the ferry, all of a sudden I felt something like I have never felt before. And I have only felt it one other time since then. I felt cold inside of me. Inside of me, where it's always hot. My wife says, you're always hot. <laughs> inside of me, where I've never been cold, suddenly I felt a horrible, horrible chill. And I said to somebody, you... What's going on? They said, I don't know. Nothing as far as we know. So we went across and came back, and I thought, I don't know what that was, but I felt a horrible, horrible chill. The next morning, we got up and opened the newspaper, and just before we got on the ferry, a lady had jumped off the side, committed suicide, just before we got there. And uh, I thought, well, probably what I felt was a demon power actively taking a victim. And you felt the cold of it. I have felt it one other time, uh, same cold inside. Because uh, I think uh, once we become close to God, we're going to feel a presence. There's a presence, evil presence is possibly there. And, uh, and so I, those are the kind of things that I've experienced. Uh, I don't mess around. I don't mess with them. You know, if you got to deal with them, then Jesus said, you pray and fast and pray and fast and pray. Get yourself armed and ready, but don't deal with them. So uh, through the book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's everywhere because they are against the work of Christ. Obviously, they failed miserably. <laughs> Thank, God. Thank God. They failed miserably. Their attempt to destroy his work only enhanced it. As he cast them out and threw them out wherever he went and commanded them to shut up and you'll do what I say, you're out. And they all begged for, please don't torment me. You're done. He cast them out at a distance. He had enough power over them. And so when we talk about these kind of things, uh, yeah, there's stuff around. There was a time, I got one more story. There was a time up in Albion, there was a whole group of, kids up there and they were worshiping the devil regularly and uh, they uh, were in one of the fields up there they'd show up at night and do that and the reason I knew that is because uh, one of the sheriffs was talking to me about it there was a sheriff of Orleans County and we were having a discussion he was telling me about that little group well uh, we were getting a missionary I think he was from South America, and we were driving him up to the church up in Albion, and we went by that field, and he said, something's going on right here. He sensed it, but he was in tune with that kind of stuff because he, and he said, something's going on right here, and it happened to be the same field where the kids were, and he sensed the power of darkness and coldness and evil that was present there. And I thought that was very fascinating. So uh, those things are real. You don't need to fear them, but don't play with them either. Don't think you can play with them and get away with it. And uh, if you ever run into it, be careful. I've seen people casting, try to cast demons out of people who are mentally ill. It's not the same. You understand? It is not the same. I've seen mentally ill people who talk to the TV, and they say the TV answers them. 
That's a person that's mentally ill. Alright, that's not demon possession. If this was mental illness, Jesus wouldn't have done what he did. Understand, it's demon possession is a real thing. And the, the height of the intensity of it that we read here is because it's the great moment in time. God has come to earth to free the human race. And Satan would love to stop him. Right? He still wants to stop that from happening. So uh, we be wise. We make sure we know what's going on. And uh, it's not something we fool with. Neither is something we need to fear. Because Jesus said to his disciples, what, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. All right. And then he said, you'll have to work for it sometime. Seven sons of Thebes thought it was just a name. They could drop a name and get it done, and they got whipped soundly for their foolishness. So uh, that's a whole other side of Satan's kingdom that we've looked at tonight, and the examples, and Jesus asking very specific questions to teach us. It can happen in children. He teaches us there can be a multiple uh, possessions in one person and then he explains that the demons may leave us alone and when they come back it's a hundred times worse. And so he warns us about the powers of darkness and we're pretty well exercised in how things work when we get done looking at them. Which is good. We need to be informed. Thank you. That's our short season in the summer. Study on Satan. Whoever thought we'd be talking about that. Uh, next week we go to communion. Wash your ears out with that. Thank you.